Welcome to the I'm Still Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Whitlow. I've been reading and studying the Bible my entire life, but I still have a lot of questions, and I'm still learning what it means. Each episode, we will take a look at what the Bible has to say and what it means to us today. Welcome to episode 14. This is the second episode of my current series called, What Do You Mean By That? This episode is called, What Do You Mean By Communion? I like to imagine the scene in my mind's eye. I see a dimly lit room. The ceiling is darkened by an accumulation of years of smoky residue from oil lamps. At the low table, covered with the remnants of the Passover meal, sits Jesus and the twelve men who have been with him throughout his ministry. Even though Jesus had been telling them time and time again what the future held for him, they had without fail misunderstood or denied what lay before him. Jesus knew that his time was short. He knew that one of the men at the table would turn him over to the authorities who wanted him dead. But as the last bites of the meal were finished, Jesus spoke up. He took a piece of the bread and broke off a piece for each of the twelve. As they ate, he told them that this bread was his body. Then he picked up a cup and told each of them to drink from it because it was his blood that would be shed for them. Then he told them to keep practicing this remembrance after he was gone and to keep doing it until he returned. And in that way, Jesus ordained the practice of communion. Last episode, I talked about the ordinance of baptism. Communion is the second of the two ordinances we practice. I said last episode that baptism is an outward celebration of an inward change in an individual's life and that communion is is an inward reflection and remembrance of the outward sacrifice by Christ on the cross that is shared by all in the community of faith. Communion is referred to by many different names. Depending on your faith tradition and even your geographical location, it may also be called Holy Communion, Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, or the Sacraments, among others. It is also practiced in different ways. Some traditions use small individual cups, and some use one common cup. Some use wine, and others use grape juice. Some serve the cup and the bread separately, and some dip the bread in the cup and take both elements simultaneously. Some use a convenient and sanitary all-in-one cup and bread. Some have ceremony attached to their participation, and for some it is quicker and more matter-of-fact. Some serve communion in every weekly gathering, and some only on occasion. Some require church membership to participate, and some practice open communion where everyone who professes Jesus as Lord can participate. But whatever you call it, and however and whenever you practice receiving communion, it is a powerful and meaningful service. But Why is it meaningful? 
What's the significance of taking a sip of juice and eating a small piece of bread? Well, I'm glad you asked. In the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul gives us some instruction. He says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. The communion service is a time of remembrance. We are called to place ourselves in that room with the disciples. We can have a sense of wonder at the incredible sacrifice that the very Son of God made for us. We eat the bread and remember his body that was broken for us. The body is the physical presence of the person. Jesus lived and breathed. He ate and slept. He was human like we are. He grew tired and he got dirty just as we do. The bread causes us to remember that this wasn't a metaphorical death. It was an actual, cruel, humiliating, and excruciatingly painful death. Jesus was without sin and endured the worst that mankind could do to a person because he loves us. He took the curse that was ours so we could experience the glory that was his. When we take the cup, we remember that the old covenant, or God's promise to his people that had involved sacrifices of sheep and goats as representations of innocent blood being shed to cover the sins of the guilty, was now fulfilled by the perfect sinless sacrifice of Jesus. But this is not just the end of the old covenant. It is the beginning of a new covenant. Because of the innocent blood of Jesus that was shed for our sins, believers now can worship in spirit and in truth. This eating the bread and drinking the cup representing the body and blood of Jesus symbolizes that Jesus is now in us and his spirit rests in us. And we can also remember that for centuries now, believers have been receiving communion for the same reasons. This practice is ancient and places us at a point of history. Secondly, there is a sense of the present as we share communion. The word communion contains the same root word as community or commune. The insinuation is that we are doing this together with others. Also, in the communion service, we share the same common food. Now, this word common can mean nothing special or ordinary, like when we say something like, it's just a common house cat, or he needs some common sense. And this meal is common, just a piece of bread and a small cup of juice. But there is nothing common about what they represent in this sense of the word. But common can also mean shared by all, as in the way we talk about a successful team and say they work together with a common goal. This definition also works when we talk about communion. 
everyone in the room is served the same meal. The millionaire and the homeless eat the same meal. The pastor and the new believer are equals at the Lord's table. No one is better than anyone else. Because we are all the same in the eyes of Jesus, His death paid the price for all of us. And when we participate in this meal, we are joining believers around the world who are also at the Lord's table. I'd love to imagine that on any given Sunday, some church in a faraway country is serving communion in their church while I'm sleeping in the early morning hours, and that someone is receiving the bread and the cup continuously all through the day as the sun passes through the various time zones. So when I lift my cup toward heaven before I drink it, I am saluting the believers who came before and believers that I join with in solidarity who are partaking of the same meal to say that I am not ashamed of the body and blood of Jesus and that I'm humbled to be invited to share at the Lord's table with believers around the world. And thirdly, there is a future element in the communion service. There is a promise contained in the last verse I read a few minutes ago. It says, For every time you eat the bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until He comes again. Until He comes again. Just as we remember the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, something that happened in the past, and we stand with other believers around the world and encourage one another and rejoice in our salvation, which happens in the present, we also remember that He has promised to come back to us. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, Jesus said, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in Me. There is more than enough room in My Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. So as we take the bread and the cup, we remember what was done to secure our salvation. We know that we are not alone in living in the present, and we have a hope for eternity with Jesus at the end of this life. Then when life gets tough and we get discouraged and the pressures of life close in on us, the communion service gives us an opportunity to pause and remember that all of God's promises are true and that the stresses of life will seem small time when we remember what has been promised to every follower of Jesus. This isn't escapism. This is hope. It's blessed hope. It's sure hope. It's comforting hope. There's a lot contained in that little piece of bread in that tiny cup. There's one more thing I want to talk about concerning communion. There's further instruction from the Apostle Paul in the passage I read from earlier in 1 Corinthians 11. And it says, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. 
This scripture has caused some confusion due to what I believe is a gross misinterpretation of the meaning of this scripture in some circles. There is a teaching that goes along the lines of, if you are not completely pure and sinless, or if you have any hidden or unrepented sin dwelling inside of you, and you take communion, you will bring down the judgment of God on you. Some Bible translations use the phrase, eating and drinking unworthily. I have known people who have dreaded the communion service because they were faced with a difficult choice. Either turn down the opportunity to receive communion and admit publicly that they have sin in their life, or go ahead and take communion, dreading God's pending judgment on them. And they've been made to feel unworthy and unwelcome at the Lord's table. So instead of the communion service being a time of reflection and hope for them, it becomes a time of guilt and condemnation because they consider themselves unworthy. But here's the thing. None of us are worthy to sit at the Lord's table by our own work or devotion. It is only because of the salvation that was made available through the death and resurrection of Jesus that we can accept the gracious invitation to sit at the Lord's table and to partake of this beautiful, symbolic meal. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 put it this way, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So what is eating and drinking of the cup without honoring the body of Christ that the Scripture mentions? I believe it is the attitude of, of course I'm worthy, I am a good person, I am a leader in the church, or I do a lot for God, he's pretty lucky to have me on the team. So when the person who leads the communion service gives a moment to examine ourselves, it is a time for us to check our motives and to realize that our invitation to participate in communion has nothing to do with the number of years we have been in church or what our title or position may be. It is a time to remember in gratitude and humility that we are saved only by God's grace. Occasionally, I will encounter someone who will say that they don't receive communion because they aren't worthy to participate in such a holy moment. They think that they are expressing humility and honor, but I will tell them that by opting out, they are actually exhibiting an attitude of pride. They are, in essence, saying that of all the people who have ever lived and experienced salvation, they are the one person whose sins are too great for the blood of Jesus to cover. It is false humility. Actually, it's worse for a Christian to refuse to take the Lord's Supper than it is to partake of it in an unworthy manner. By refusing to partake, a person is saying, I refuse to repent, and I refuse to believe that Christ's body and blood were the effective sacrifice I need for the cleansing of my sins. I don't believe what he did on the cross was good enough for me. But if we will just realize that none of us are worthy without the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, none of us could sit at the Lord's table and take that moment to thank God for His gift of salvation to thank Him for His grace that welcomes us as unworthy as we are
to come in humility and gratitude to the Lord's table. The service of communion, the Lord's Supper, or whatever your faith tradition calls it, is a wonderful and powerful expression of God's love for us and an opportunity to give Him thanks for all He has done for us. If you haven't noticed by now, I really love the ordinance of communion, and my sincere hope is that you will grow in love and appreciation for this wonderful and worshipful time. I hope to see you around the Lord's table very soon. Thank you for listening to What Do You Mean by Communion? If you have questions or comments, you can contact me on Facebook or Instagram. Also, I'd appreciate it if you would tell your friends about this podcast. It can be found wherever folks go to get their podcasts. This is Randy Whitlow, and I'm still learning. I'll see you next week.